Well, we are certainly in a very interesting time. Today is April 21st, um, 2020. Um, 2020 was supposed to be, you know, the futuristic year. 2020, obviously very synonymous with your vision, the future, perfect clarity. Um, you know, we're turning the decade the last decade was quite tumultuous, you know, the 2000 um, bubble stock market crash was quite interesting. Um, and then that was actually a huge crash. You lost 50% of the market. And then we had a seven, eight year run until the 2008 crash really started in 2007. Then it really really dropped off the map on 2008 and this was 2020 um in february the market was going strong it was looking like there was no end in sight um there had been some reports about you know excessive use of debt for companies um up until January, but frankly, nobody really paid very much attention because the economy was going so strong. We were about three, three and a half percent unemployment. Um, revenues for a lot of companies, frankly, had gone flat for several years now, but you wouldn't notice by the stock prices. Stock prices were continuing to climb because many companies um, were using their profits to buy back. Um, their own stock, which, in case you didn't know, that essentially reduces the amount of shares available for purchase, which then, you know, gives you a higher earnings per share. And earnings per share is a very common indicator to to help um, indicate what the stock price should be. So, in essence, a lot of companies were using profits to buy back shares and increase their stock price, which essentially was making their CEOs and their stockholders rich while the company was not necess- was simply not doing very you know much better. Um, and they were using cheap debt to do this. So ever since the 2008 crash, the government has been in a very bad um, habit of of keeping interest rates very low. So they barely moved off the 0% mark. They started climbing just in about the last two, three years. They're at maybe 3%. Um, we're talking about you know US um, treasury bonds, which is the lowest form. Mortgages, you could still get you know, a house um, owner occupied for around 4%, maybe 4.5%. Um, so, there was some concern about businesses using all this cheap debt to essentially inflate their stock price because rather than you know paying down their debt which is the smarter and safer decision they were buying back stock and they were paying ceos excessive amounts of pay and whatnot so that was everything leading up to february but frankly none of that stuff got that much attention because in good times people don't look for problems they look for you know, how to get richer. So here we are in, in in January. There were some early reports in Wuhan, China about a virus that had outbreak that had an outbreak. Um, 
but there wasn't much alarm about it. Um, China did a very good job of not um, communicating the real danger of this virus while thousands of people were dying and they were building hospitals in the matter of days to try to <clears throat> contain um, the spread. But nonetheless, eventually they had to lock down the the city where it started. The name is called Wuhan, <coughs> Wuhan, China. They eventually had to lock it down. So um, January um, 29th, the WHO, World Health Organization, also known as the WHO, um, they said that there is a big problem. I forget the term they used. They didn't they didn't use the term pandemic yet. It was a different term, just um there's an emergency. And January thirty first, Donald Trump issues a travel ban from people coming in and out of China. Um February, not much happened in America except for a few cases started to pop up. Um there was the first case that came over, I think, early February, and by um, late February, early March, um, the United States put their second travel ban on Europe because we started seeing the spread over there. By that time, we had about seven cases in the U.S. Nobody had died yet. And um, in case you're not fully aware, you'd have to be on a different planet by now. Now, where it's April... 21st, and um, we've had over 40,000 people die in the United States, over, uh, I don't even know now, 150,000 cases, probably a lot more than that. I'm not, I can't track the active cases, and frankly, the, the active cases is not a strong indicator because those are only people who have been tested, and as we all know by now, the number of people actually infected are probably substantially higher but because there's so many asymptomatic um, conditions out there, people who have no symptoms, um, the the number of infections are probably much higher. So the people who are severely um, getting affected and going to the hospital and dying are ones with underlying conditions, people with um, asthmatic conditions, um, heart problems, lung, lung diseases, smokers, um, obesity. People with obesity, frankly, sorry, but that those are just the stats. You know, these are the ones who are um, severely getting affected by the virus. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now. Um, and this is just, the reason I'm even making this, this podcast was because I wanted to kind of put into perspective this where I'm at right now in this time frame and I I wish I had done more of these recordings up till now because so much has happened from a week to week basis it's just frantic um just again I I I want to try and keep things in perspective a lot too so um you know in the beginning when the stock market first crashed in March um 23rd 20 March 23rd of 2020 is when the stock market hit the recent lows. Um, it dropped about um, 35% from the S&P 500 from the very peak. Granted, the peak was something that had just peaked. So every week, the stock market was climbing. Um, so you, it's hard to say what's normal. 
but clearly the very high in February probably doesn't represent the you know what the average is for the last three months. It's probably um, a little bit lower, but it peaked around 2800 2800 and then it dropped to about 2200 um, It's a very significant drop, and ever since then, the stock market has been climbing. Many people claim this was one of the best buying opportunities in their lifetime, um, which is possible, is possibly true, but as the picture continues to unfold, that it's starting to look like that 30% drop um, may just be the beginning, but it's hard to say. You know, the the, the S&P right now is at 20, um, what is it at right now? I don't want to say the wrong number. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Sorry, bear with me. Okay, I don't think it's going to work while I'm on here, but, you know, I think it's about 20, 2600 right now. That's a concern. That's a good estimate, I think. So it's the the point is it's it's down about fifteen percent from the highs in February. Um, it's off of the thirty percent lows that we had in March. We're about a month away now from from that low. And a lot of people are claiming, you know, especially Donald Trump. He, you know, his his goal. Uh, Given all the stimulus the government has provided, is to provide a V-shaped recovery, V as in victory, a V-shaped recovery, um, which essentially means he's saying the the market dropped quickly and now it will come back quickly. Okay, so you know that brings up stimulus. My God, there's just so many things to just recap, and I want to take the time to do it because there's. You know, there's going to be time for analysis and an explanation on where I think it's going um, later on. Um, but first, there's just there's just so much going on. So this, so the government has taken out 2.2 trillion dollars in stimulus with the ability to leverage that up to um, over six trillion dollars. That's trillion with a T. Okay, in in 2008 during the Great Financial Crisis, the mortgage crisis, we borrowed. Um, about about two trillion dollars in total in the entire thing. So, you know, the the recession um, th- that was over maybe six to eight months. Um, they were borrowing to get to that two point two trillion dollars. We've borrowed that much in the first um, three weeks. So you're talking about. Um, um, and we're gonna borrow more. There's already there's already things in the pipeline. There's there's already an additional three hundred um, and fifty billion dollars that's planned for another small business loan. There's probably gonna be another couple trillion dollars used for um, uh, personal checks that are being sent out to, to individuals. Um, unemployment reimbursement. There's is gonna be substantially higher. Is the point? And where it's gonna be much more in a much shorter time period. Um, since since the pandemic started in March, we've laid off um, about 22 million Americans, and that's people who are not gig workers. Um, they're not people who are individual um, contractors. 
independent contractors. These are people who had jobs, W-2 employees, worked for somebody else. These are standard unemployment numbers, 22 million people unemployed. So just to, again, put that in comparison, that's the total amount of people um, that we have since employed since the Great Recession. So we've lost um, everybody that we've employed since 2008 in the last three weeks. Uh, that's, again, just, just staggering numbers, staggering numbers. And we're not done. There's a very good chance that the unemployment is going to continue to rise. So right now, you can estimate that unemployment is probably, um, we've added, um, we're probably at 12%, 12 to 15% right now unemployment. During the Great Recession, we only got to about 11 or 12% unemployment nationally. Now we're over that already. And there's a chance that we will get to about 20% unemployment. Those are conservative estimates. 20% unemployment would get us to great, um, and, uh, 20% unemployment would get us to um, the Great Depression era level of unemployment. And uh, I mean, just 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 staggering numbers. Now, a lot of people on the other side would say. Well, um, you know, 50% or maybe 70% of those people currently being unemployed are temporarily unemployed. And as soon as the virus passes and all of the lockdowns um, get opened up, those people will go back to work immediately. And I personally think that's a very bad assumption, um, What you see in a lot of other countries. So let's just say that 70% goes back. You'll still have unemployment close to around 10% at the most conservative um, estimate of 20% maximum unemployment. Personally, I think we're going to get to um, 30% unemployment. Um, and I think the amount of people who go back to work immediately is going to be less than 50%. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Um, because what a lot of people don't understand is once you open up everything, first of all, it's not a light switch. It's going to be very progressive. And the places that open up first are going to be the states that really don't contribute as much to the GDP as other states, like California, like New York, like Texas. Um, those states are going to take longer because they have more people, more concentration in urban areas, and they're going to be more scared to open up as quickly and once you do open up there's still going to be um, social distancing rules and um, limitations to, to physical contact that's really going to prevent the economy from just jumping straight back so just just some more examples um, restaurants will require people to sit six feet apart from each other that limits the amount of people that can sit in a restaurant um, large concerts um, sporting events won't take place so think about that, basketball games, football games, concerts, all these things, they're not going to happen for the rest of the year, most likely. Um, okay, so despite all that, um, the stock market has not um, bothered to listen. Um, the stock market has spent most of its time listening to um, any good news it can find. So there was some news about rem. Remdesivir, rem remdesivir. It's it's a certain type of drug that has shown some anecdotal, anecdotal, um, 
um, improvements for people who have the COVID-19 coronavirus um, virus. So uh, there was an article that came out that said that as soon as people started taking the drug once they had shown some bad symptoms, they were not on a ventilator yet. So this is the respiratory disease. Um, the typical signs are a fever, coughing, shortness of breath. Eventually, it leads to going to the emergency room where you get put on oxygen. And then after the oxygen, if you don't get any better for, for a certain period of time, you get put on what's called a ventilator. The ventilator puts a, a straw down your nose and essentially does the breathing for you. So while oxygen is just a mask and is, is pushing air around your nose, a ventilator actually, you know, puts it directly into your lungs with a straw down your nose. It's a, it's, and the some rough statistics are that 80% of people who are put on a ventilator never come off, essentially meaning that they die. So, um, you know, the stock market has been trading on news that the virus is going away and um, that there's been some breakthroughs in terms of medicine. There's not a vaccine. A vaccine is different from an antiviral. So Remdesivir, the one I told you about, is for treating people who are already sick. Um, And that's great. You need that. That's one part of the solution. Another part is testing, um, pre-testing, and another part is the vaccine. The vaccine is the holy grail, which nobody expects to have for 12 to 18 months, if ever. So a lot of people are just predicting that the vaccine will be coming, will be heat for us in the next 12 to 18 months. It's just a matter of time. You know, with um, with the the bird flu, a lot of people predicted the same thing, and there still isn't a vaccine. So to assume that the vaccine is coming, I think is a little presumptuous. Um, 12 to 18 months is optimistic, although I hope it does happen. But so, so that's the vaccine, the antiviral. There's a few problems with antiviral. First of all, the information we've been provided so far is anecdotal. So essentially meaning that it's it's... It's a story that we heard from some patients who were tested in one hospital, and the results of their double-blind study have not concluded yet, and you cannot make any conclusive results of that. Now, a lot of people may say, well, listen, you can hear the story. It's great. Come on, man. I mean, it's going to work. Well, as fast as you can assume that something like this can work, you will you could end up finding out that it's not as effective. Um, there's another problem with the medicine too. It is um, not an oral drug. It is one that needs to be, um, you know, injected with a with a needle um, through an IV tube or you know some way into your bloodstream, and that's important because if people can't take the drug while they're um, say at home and showing early symptoms, then you're still clogging up the hospital system and you're still, you know, it, it still poses a huge threat and an inconvenience to, to people at home. So um, it's important to try and find a drug that can 
that can be taken orally at home as it is. So the convenience is what I'm just trying to point out. The the, the process of taking the drug matters. Okay. So that, that news came out. The stock market jumped uh, a lot. And and then, you know, Trump. I have to give Trump a lot of credit. I know a lot of people hate Trump. Um, I hated him at first, too, to be perfectly honest. I was a hard-nosed Democrat going into the 2000. Um, 16 election. I voted for Hillary Clinton. The last two elections, ever since every election before that, I voted Democrat. Um, and I couldn't understand why people voted for Trump. And over the last years, I probably get a lot of crap for this. But, you know, when you listen to him, when you when you take what he says, you know, and you put it on, uh, you take a small snippet of of what Trump says, and you put it on a meme. Um, it's going to look bad. But when you listen to him speak, you know, it sound, what he says sounds very normal. It sounds very rational. And it sounds like he's talking very plainly to people who need to understand what he's saying. And he doesn't He doesn't try and hold back like most politicians do. He speaks very frankly, directly, and it's something that I, I have learned to appreciate. And... Um, since this thing has started, he's been holding daily press conferences um, with himself and several um, virologists, you know, essentially experts in the field of medicine and also the the uh, the military um, engineers and a lot of people essentially. And it, it's it's extremely informative. It, it provides an extreme amount of confidence for. Um, the people listening and for the markets and um, you know something he's also not afraid of is you know suggesting which drugs are are effective ahead of time so I don't want to get too much into this but my point is is that those meetings have been very helpful and I think that they've been also used to boost up the stock market Um, so you know the stock market is off 15% roughly from the highs in February and and it's very hard to so I'm going to get a little bit into where I think we're going now um you know in 2007 uh in in 2000 and 2007 it took over 6 years for the stock market to regain its highs um before the crash um, a lot of people can easily say that what we're going through now is at least on par, if not worse, I think it's a lot worse than the last two significant recessions. And to assume that the market is done after one month and a decline of 35% when with the last previous two recessions dropped more than 50%, it's very optimistic. Now, many people would say, well, in the last two recessions, the government has never acted so quickly and so boldly as we have this time. In addition to that, you know, the reason for this uh, recession isn't a, a financially structural problem. It is a, it's, it's essentially a national um disaster like an earthquake in the form of a virus so those are the people who think that that's why this is different this 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 time will be different now i initially agreed with that but the more i studied and the more i learned and i'm doing an immense amount of that every single day now 
Um, I essentially read articles all day long while watching CNBC and watching the, the press conference of the New York governor, um, Cuomo, and President Trump. And what I've learned from, from history is that many recessions have taken several months before you find the bottom. Um, they go through these um, initial crash events, and then next you will see a, a what they call a bear market rally. This is typically something that traps a lot of people into thinking that the market will um, jump back up very quickly. And then, and then it takes another steeper dive. This is where a lot of people really get hurt. So the bear market rally is typically where the institutional investors, the big money people, they get their last chance to get out before the market takes the next big dive. Um, this isn't always the case. There's been several recessions where the market has slowly recovered after the initial drop. But every one of those cases, and I have statistics to prove all this back up, you know, there's so many great articles that, that you know, outline this. Many of the recessions that, that make just one drop and then slowly recovers are really small road bumps in, in the, you know, on the road. Um, they're recessions where, you, frankly, they're, they're you know, not, not even one-tenth of the size of the last two recessions in 2000, 2007, and if you have, if you're going to say that this recession is going to be the same as, as a small road bump, there's really no statistic that can prove it. I mean, when, we, when you're talking about unemployment numbers, very similar to the Great Depression, when you're talking about stimulus that needs to be added, um, that's greater than we've ever seen before, when you're talking about um, bankruptcies, um, bankruptcies like we've never seen before. It, it's just hard to make the case that this is that you can make this on par with one of the smaller recessions in in American history. Um, okay, so where else am I going with all this? Um, so unemployment figures get released every Thursday. Um, the last three we've had about. On average, about 5 million people um, newly unemployed. Um, I expect somewhere around the same this month, maybe a little bit less. And while some people may say that is an improvement because unemployment is declining, um, when you're talking about numbers this large, there's no real trend you should be trying to find. Uh, the reason it wasn't higher earlier is because the system simply couldn't even um, consider so many people applying at the same time, okay? So you have a lot of stimulus going into the market right now, and it's another bailout, to put it frankly. Um, you know, in 2008, we did something different than we've ever done before. We've, we bailed out um, companies on a scale that no one's ever seen before. And we did it because we thought that we would go into a Great Depression. And maybe that's the right decision to do, um, it's very hard to say. Anybody in that same position would probably do the same thing. It's hard to say no and force, you know, the country into another Great Depression. So, um, but that being said, certainly we could have allocated the money much better. You know, um, 
I mean, this is a huge topic just just to get into, but you know, essentially, about five cents on the dollar of the two point two trillion dollars have gone to individuals. Okay, that's people at home, unemployed or working on a W two job. Five cents on the dollar, five um, percent we're talking about of the two point two trillion dollars have gone to people. Now, where has the rest of the money gone? Well, like I mentioned earlier on, um, businesses are heavily indebted um, everywhere from, you're talking about small cap companies to middle to large cap companies, heavily indebted. In the beginning, people were saying that Boeing might go bankrupt. Um, Boeing, obviously the largest airplane manufacturer in America, um, there's only two in the world. There's Boeing, Airbus. Airbus is a French company. And Boeing is obviously an American company. And Boeing, many people said, were could have gone bankrupt. Now, the government has stepped in and said that they are going to be offering forgivable loans. That's a very interesting term, forgivable. So if you take out a loan and you use 75% of that money to um, pay your employees, pay for overhead, taxes, and whatnot, and the last 25% on whatever else, call it rent, or maybe personal income, I don't even know. If you follow those type of guidelines, then the loan is forgivable. Now, they're not forgi- they're not forgivable yet. Um, people assume sometime in the future, it will be clarified how you can get that loan forgiven. But it hasn't, it hasn't happened just yet. Okay, my, my eldest daughter just woke up. I'm going to continue this later. Um, this is the first of probably several podcasts I'm going to really try and get out and doing a lot more because I really want to document this time, um, better for myself and for whoever's interested. Thanks for listening.